Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. My dear friends in Christ, now, I'm not going to say this as if it's going to really be a true thing. I mean, it is a true thing, but it's not true in terms of the belief. Muslims in Jerusalem have planted a graveyard at the eastern gate of the city. And you might think, well, what's the point of that? And that's not a big deal. In Jewish thought, the Messiah, when he comes to Jerusalem, will enter from the east. Now, this is a big direction for us. I mean, our church is faced toward the east as well. And the idea is it's faced toward the rising sun. And I think that there's something beautiful in that, that we understand that God appears to us and is a joy. And so it's the same thing that as they view this potential coming Messiah, the very one that they missed in Jesus, they believe that he would enter Jerusalem through the East Gate. So if they planted, if the Muslims have planted a cemetery there at the East Gate, the Messiah has to walk through the cemetery. And that's a problem. Because the Messiah can't be unclean. And being in a cemetery makes one unclean. Being around the dead makes one unclean. So the Muslims knew what they were doing. They have made it, in essence, that the Jewish Messiah would never come. Now, of course, we know that the Jewish Messiah has come. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God. This Jesus is the one true Messiah. But there's something about the graveyard that instinctively we know something's different. I've been in a graveyard with very many of you. And as we've stood there, we've known that something's different, haven't we? There's a, a somberness, I think, that's in a graveyard. There's a, a little bit of, of a frightening feeling that can be there in a graveyard. After all, which one of us wants to walk through a graveyard in the middle of the night? Which one of us wants to take a nap in a graveyard? I, there's just something different. When I was a kid growing up in Cincinnati, we had a house that was built on old cemetery land. Now, this, there had never been a body buried where the houses were being built. There was a cemetery that owned all this land, and they realized they were never going to put enough people in there, and so they sold it to a developer, and the developer built that. And at the edge of this neighborhood, there was this creek that would flow. And I don't know where it started, and I don't know where it ended. I only know that it went under a highway, which I was too scared to go under that highway, but I explored that creek up and down. And on the other side of the creek is the cemetery. And as you walk in the right place, through the woods, over the creek, and into the cemetery, there was a hill. This is about a 40-foot tall hill. It was perfect for sledding in the winter. Now, Cincinnati, we didn't get a whole lot of snow. So you can guess, as soon as there was snow on the ground, we were on our sleds, we were on that hill, we were racing down toward the creek. And still, every time we did that, there was something strange about that cemetery. 
You, you walk over the creek and there's a feeling that just comes. I don't know if it's the idea that there were bodies buried not a hundred feet away from the top of that hill. I don't know if it's my sister had gone exploring and found that we were kind of near, not totally, but kind of near the baby grave section. And there were kids who had died just a few years before we were there. I don't know what it was, but you get a feeling when you're in that cemetery. And I think that this is a lot of what's happening here today. This man, this demon-possessed man, is among the graves. And that's weird. You don't go to the cemetery. You don't live in a cemetery. I mean, we've all seen kind of those horror stories, right? Where the cemetery handyman who lives in the cemetery, he's just more than a little off, isn't he? Being among the dead for so long turns your mind and it turns your heart. I don't know when the man today who's demon possessed was possessed. I don't know if he was already living in the graves, if he was too focused on that, or if he was there and, and he just made his way to the graves. I don't know. We're not given to know that timeline. But we can find immediately, as soon as we find someone in a cemetery, it's a little bit weird. On top of that, this is a man who sees this Jesus and he comes and falls down at his feet knowing exactly who he is. For all that Jesus says to him has come out. Jesus knows this man intimately. Jesus created this man in his mother's womb. And he knows as he sees this man that there are demons inside of him. And so he speaks to those demons come out. And the demons, they know this Jesus intimately. They were formed by him before the beginning of the world, or at least the beginning of us. They had been shaped by him and given their duties by him. They were to praise God in every situation, and yet they threw their lot in with the devil and were cast out of heaven by Michael and his angels. These demons knew their Jesus, their God, immediately. And the only hope they had was a little bit of mercy. Something weird about this man. He's possessed not by a demon, but a legion of demons. This is a military term. You can take it to mean whatever you want, really. I mean, I've seen people say legions are 2,000 men, 5,000 men, 10,000 men. I don't, it doesn't really matter. What matters is there's a whole lot more demons here than you could deal with. A whole lot more demons than it seems we could count. 
And you almost want to imagine this man speaking. And as he speaks, there are thousands of voices coming out of him saying, Legion, 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 legion. For we are many. It's a creepy scene. A graveyard. In a Gentile place, a graveyard not even cared for like the Jews would care for their dead. A graveyard on a cliff. A graveyard surrounded by the unclean. Not just the dead, but did you catch it? The pigs. That's how you know you're in Gentile country because the Jews would have nothing to do with the pigs. If the pigs are there, you know there's no good Jew around. You're in an unclean place, in an unclean land, with an unclean man, and it's scary, and it's creepy, and it's terrifying, and if we had been caught there, we would be shaken out of our boots and be found among the dead in that moment. But Jesus which are, I think, some of the two sweetest words in all of creation. But Jesus. Jesus is there for a reason. Notice, Jesus goes into the Gerasenes, and then he's kind of thrown out of the Gerasenes. He's there for a minute, and then he goes. Jesus went to an unclean, scary terrifying place to rescue one man from his oppression. This was the entire mission of Jesus, getting into the boat, sailing across the lake, going into an unclean place to go and find this man, this man who was so possessed that when they chained him up, he would break iron chains and run off. He went into this place for a minute and sailed back. Jesus rescued this man from what was oppressing him. He rescued this dead man living among the dead And brought him to himself. Jesus went into this land where no one is seeking him. Where no one is saying, where are you? He went into the land of the dead to make one alive. This was prophesied here in Isaiah by God himself. Did you catch that in the reading? Turn to it. Look at it. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. We think of ourselves in some ways that, that we could actually seek God, that we could find him on our own. We, if we're good enough, we could probably try to get to where he's at. But God here is speaking of a people who have no such delusions. 
Don't get me wrong, we're deluded if we think that. But these people are even beyond the delusion to say we're not even looking for God. In fact, we are so holy, we don't want God to come near us. That's what they say. God says, here am I, here am I to a nation that was not called by my name. Jesus went to the Gentiles, a people not called by the name of God. A people who provoke God to his face continually, sacrificing in gardens, making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and the broth of tainted meat is in their vessels. This idea of being surrounded by that which is unclean is everything of what our reading is today. A people who provoke God continually. And how? By sacrificing in gardens. You don't sacrifice in a garden. You sacrifice in Jerusalem. Who make offerings on bricks. You do not make offerings on bricks. You make offerings on the stone altar built in the temple, built in Jerusalem. Who sit in tombs. This is unclean. The dead are there. Spend the night in secret places. Be amazed by the the witch things, the, the magical things, the demonic things. Who eat pig's flesh and thus are ceremoniously unclean because you are not to eat the meat of any cloven hoofed animal. And the broth of tainted meat is in their vessels. That doesn't mean like you eat the meat and it goes into your body and now it's in your vessels, but literally in your pots. You're stewing the tainted meat. You see, God foresaw what he would do in Jesus in this moment in the Gerasenes, that Jesus would go and find this people not seeking him. These people who were so enamored with their own ways, he would find them, rescue them, and send them out. You've got to imagine for a moment this disappointment that this man has. He's been oppressed by a ton of demons for years and finally is set free by this man, Jesus. He's free. Imagine for a moment what that feels like. Think to yourself for a moment. What is the biggest thing that you deal with? Could be the death of a loved one. Could be a physical malady. Like when you get up, your back always hurts. You can't see or you can't hear well or you're dealing with cancer or something like this. What, think of whatever this is. What would it feel like if this were taken away from you right now? What would it be like for you if it were taken away right now? Now multiply that by an entire army 
And that's what this man is experiencing. And he's sitting there calm and collected at the feet of Jesus. Enough so that they finally are able to put clothes on him, meaning what? He's been naked. Naked men in tombs, you probably don't want to go near especially, right? But they're able to robe him. And he sits down and he's clean and he's hearing of this Jesus who's rescued him. And Jesus is now cast away from the garrisons. And all this man wants to do is go and be with his Lord. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You can imagine this man wants to be with his God. He wants to be with his rescuer, with his redeemer. And Jesus says, no. No. And it's not a no out of hate. It's not a no out of the lack of liking this guy. It's no. Return to your home and go and declare how much God has done for you. This man was the first apostle to the Gentiles. Don't know this man. Don't know his name. Hopefully, I believe, we will be able to meet this man when we get to our rest. Won't that be lovely? This man was the first one to really go into those Gentile lands and tell them all that God had done for him because they all knew him. They all knew him. And he said exactly what it is that God has done. Jesus hasn't stopped doing this. Not once. Jesus continually goes into the unclean places to find even one person who needs his help, who needs his redemption. He's gone into the unclean places to find you. And he did. He found you. And he cast the evil demons out of you. And he cleaned you. And he clothed you. And you sit at his feet and hear And you go and return to your home. And you go and declare all that God has done for you. Jesus found you at the baptismal font. And there he cast the evil demons out of you. The old baptisms used to say, Out, foul spirit! Make room for the Holy Spirit! I think we should go back to that. And there he cleaned you with his water. He cleansed you of your sins and he clothed you. That's why we put those baptismal garments on you. You're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And now for the last four, seven, forty, I'm not even going to tell you how old you are, years, you have been sitting at his feet learning from him Begging, let me go with you, Jesus. Let me be where you are. And he says, no. It's not because he doesn't love you. 
It's not because he doesn't like you. It's not because he doesn't want to be with you, but it's because he says to you, return to your homes and declare how much God has done for you. This is not the Christian life. That we who have been brought into the church by the very hand of Jesus Christ, who have been redeemed by His blood, shed upon that tree, who have been given the promise of resurrection and eternal life with Him, are we not to go and share what it is Jesus has done for us? To tell people, my Jesus has saved me. My Jesus has rescued me. My Jesus has redeemed me. And this is not just a one-time thing, my friends. But this is every day of our miserable lives. Jesus comes to find you in the unclean place to rescue you, to make you well, to make you whole. There came a day when this man died. Might have been before Jesus died, might have been after Jesus died. There came a day when this man died. He found the end. He ran his race. He rests in peace. This man is now in a tomb. Somewhere out in the desert, waiting. He's not, however, just counted among the dead. For this man is just asleep, waiting for the day of his Lord's return. This man, who once sat and lived among the tombs, now sleeps among them again, yet now not unclean, but clean, for the Lord has sanctified the graves of his dead, making them holy places of rest until he comes to bring us out. This man rests in the peace of Christ, and so too shall you. You who have been made holy, you who have been made clean, You have been clothed with the robes of Christ's righteousness. You who have sat at the feet of Jesus, you too shall sleep. And you too shall open your eyes one day to see your Savior face to face. And there you will find that every foul demon not only has been cast out, but also has been cast away, never to afflict you again, never to get on you again, never to bring you to the dead places again. The day is coming, my friends, when we shall live with Christ and we shall rejoice over all that God has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.